I have a very old uh, living grandmother, and uh, she is probably the, the best woman to ever live. Um, she is a, a saint, um, most humble, caring, um, can't-hear-a-thing grandma that you would ever meet in your life. Um, I started dating Heidi uh, in 1996, so a long, long, long time ago, and uh, she got to kind of be a part of my grandparents' farmhouse a couple different times, and uh, it was a really cool farmhouse. I don't consider myself a farmer by any stretch, but uh, it was always fun going to grandma and grandpa's and enjoying the time, and one day we decided to have some fun. My grandmother, for whatever reason, would pack anything in her refrigerator. I mean, there would be times we would find pencils in there because it was by her belief that a refrigerated pencil was a much more higher-performing pencil, okay? Um, She also would just put random objects uh, of food in there and oftentimes store them there for long periods of time. So we decided to have some fun. Me and my cousin, uh, I believe Heidi was there. We started, started, like, ransacking the back of the fridge, okay? Because we knew. We knew for sure we were going to find some interesting things, you know? So we, we start, you know, finding, we, we find a stick of butter that's sitting on a plate that literally was about six different colors. And it wasn't because it had been churned appropriately. I mean, it's because this thing had been sitting in there forever. And then sure enough, like in the very back corner, right, we found this, this can of Parmesan cheese, all right? And already we're like, dude, how old do you think this thing is? You know, we're starting to place bets. And we flip the can, uh, we flip the can over, like actually realizing that it's possible. It's so old that it was like before expiration dates, you know? And we look at this thing, 1983, okay? So since 1983, right? And we're not sure like how many times like grandma reached in the back. It was like, you know, this would be a little tasty treat up on here, you know? And it, it's, it's so hilarious then to, to watch her fridge. And then from that point on, we would just like, like watch her store things in here. Um, expiration dates are, are really interesting. We're, we're kind of now obsessed with them. Uh, we find them on milk uh, containers. Um, I'm not sure how many of you guys have ever had expired milk, um, but it's really interesting. It, it oftentimes like, looks like something like that. Um, have any of you guys like, tasted expired milk before it was, you know, before you realized? Yeah, it, it's, it like, completely changes your bowels for several weeks. It's horrible. Um, uh, in light of that, we also have, um, like, true story, right? Every single one of us in this room who've ever made a sandwich before, like, you've gotten so excited about the PB&J or about the turkey and so, like, whatever it is you're making, you go, you go up to the, wherever it is that you, you store your bread, and, like, it's the only bread in the house, and you even, like, make it up because you don't notice it at first, right? And then you're just getting ready to put it up to your mouth, and you notice the gangrene on the bread, right? How many of you guys have ever experienced that before, right? Today, that's actually what made some of you the way that you are. Anyway, um, some of you who have fruit, um, and I, I don't personally, we don't have fruit in our house. Um, it's not that I don't believe in fruit because it's somewhat biblical. I just don't eat it. Um, but if you've ever had fruit, like sometimes fruit can look like that. Um, you know, the, I, I thought it would be funny just to kind of say like this is where the, the bad apple pun came from. But um, all of these things have expiration dates. In fact, I, I, would, I would actually say that, in general, uh, just about everything in our culture ends at some point. Uh, this does not. There will never, ever, ever be an expiration date of me being the father to these three children. I've looked, okay? Like, I've, I've looked on the bottom of their feet, you know? Um, 
If you're a parent in this room, listen, outside of being married, is there anything better in the world? Anything better? I mean, getting the chance to parent these three children, yes, sometimes it is incredibly trying. It brings tremendous challenges, especially in the right side of that picture. There is no expiration date. There will never be a time, no matter what I say, no matter what I do, no matter how great of a parent I am, no matter how poor of a parent I am, there will never be a time that these children will have some kind of expiration date. Even if the Lord takes me home, even if the Lord takes them home, once I'm a parent and once they're my kid, I am always a parent and they are always my kid. Well, that's the case for every single person in this room. Okay, many of you are parents. All of you are kids. Which means this fifth commandment gets really interesting really fast. If you've ever been in counseling, okay, I was asking Lonnie about this just to affirm what I already thought to be true. If you've ever been to counseling ever in your life, 100% guaranteed at some point early in that counseling time, you will get questions about your parents and their effects on your life. And so it makes you, in those moments, start reverse engineering and thinking about the moments when your kids will be old enough to be sitting in situations like that or in counseling offices or even to hear sermons like they will tonight. And then what would they be thinking? If my kids were my age sitting in a room like this years and years down the road, how would they approach the topic tonight? As we begin to get to the core of all of us, because we're so, all of us, affected by this, What would they have to say? How would they respond? What would their heart do? What I'm saying is tonight will be incredibly difficult and simultaneously, I pray, incredibly encouraging. So with all of that said and so much excitement in the room, um, why don't you guys open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. There's been four commandments so far. All four commandments have dealt with the relationship between God and man. I've told you guys over and over through this journey, Jared as well, that these commandments are a gift from God. To negate them is like coming down on Christmas morning as a child and saying, I don't think so. Seeing present after present wrapped under the tree and not opening. Well, if you're like me, when I was a child, even still to this day, like Christmas morning, there, there's this awesome sense, like I must open these. Well, I'm not saying that those presents don't lose their luster, and that's what's happened to many of us. Uh, These commandments have been like the Game Boy that, uh, you know, that to many of you guys was awesome for a couple weeks, and then pretty soon you're on to the next thing. But still, these commandments, a beautiful gift from the Lord. So let's look, all of one verse tonight we're going to study, and if you've been joining us, there's been nights where we've like studied entire chapters in a night from Exodus Tonight, ah, verse, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Here here we go. Honor your father and your mother, okay, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Well, this is the first time we've seen a promise connected with a command. Honor your father and mother. You're going to get hooked up. Your days are going to be long, right? This word honor is where we get tripped up, I believe. 
We get tripped up even because of passages like Ephesians 6 that talk about this exact premise. Ephesians 6, some of your parents' favorite verse. No reason to not uh, have it uh, be that. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Some of you guys like get the temporary tattoos for your kids, right? And it has Ephesians 6.1 on it. Just me, I guess. Honor, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Even uh, the writer here, Paul, talks about this very commandment we're studying. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We get tripped up on the word honor because we think, especially because of a verse like this, that to honor our parents just means obey them. Well, our journey tonight will show that that is not um, only what honor means. Here's my question. When you think of the word honor, what do you think of? When my grandfather passed away, he was a World War II veteran. One of the most powerful pieces of his funeral, many of you guys have experienced this, was the gun salute that soldiers did in his honor, and then the folding of the flag. Many of you guys have seen a moment that looks just like this, where the flag is handed to the one who is left behind. When I think of honor, the first things that come up in my mind are images like this, things that have to do with remembering someone or deeply respecting someone, highly regarding someone. But when you get to the depths of the Hebrew, which is what most of the Old Testament was written in, Aramaic, secondarily, here is what the word is, kavad, everyone say it with me, kavad. Now kavad is going to give us a tremendous amount of indication on what this word honor means Primarily, it means this, to be heavy or to be weighty. So with that in mind, now read the commandment again. Honor your father and mother, right? So honor, to be heavy, to be weighty. In other words, that the richness of the relationship, the depth of the relationship, the bounty of the relationship, the effect of the relationship between children and parents, bear with it tremendous amount of weight and heaviness. Would you agree with me? Tremendous amount of weight and heaviness. So when the scripture says, honor your father and mother, the teaching is because of the weight and heaviness of the relationship between father and mother and child, respect. Let the weightiness hit you. Do not take the relationship for granted. Deal with the relationship would be all the synonyms that we would say. So to guide us as the children are cheering, they're learning the same commandment. They're getting fired up, all right? Um, To guide us, I want to look at first the reasons why it is difficult for us to honor our father and mother. And all I'm asking tonight, as we dig into this, and I know for some of you it's going to be like taking a spoon in your soul. I'm just asking you, have courage, take heart. Jesus says to the disciples, it is I, do not be afraid. He's with us, he's guiding us tonight, and he will comfort us, the scripture says. Okay. The reasons why it's difficult to honor our parents, number one, when they are not honorable. The question isn't if your parents ever screwed up. The question is when and how much and what was the damage done. All of you would agree. 
The question isn't like when did your parents, you know, or if your parents ever screwed up. The question is, is how and when proportionately. Well, what's the damage that's been left? What's the residual effects? What's the shrapnel that has been laid bare? I fully recognize that many of you, your parents, you would consider anything but honorable. Uh, they were not loving. In fact, um, they were the, antithes- uh, the antithesis of that. They were abusive. They were verbally abusive. They were um, abusive in their time use. They didn't give you time. They, uh, you, you never heard from them that they loved you. Uh, you didn't get hugs at night. Um, your dad was uh, driven by providing for the family and in doing so spent almost zero time, had justified it in his mind that he was putting food on the table, but somehow his heart was distant from you. Some of you not even having a father to grow up with, a, a mother that was distant, uh, addicted to drugs. I mean, there are all sorts of things that if this room were to just begin to testify about their child rearing, We would have testimony after testimony in this room about dishonorable parents. And so when you hear, honor your father and mother, you're like, yeah, right. Like, why in the world would I spend one second honoring that man? That man is not an honorable man. There is no reason for me to stand in my heart in vulnerability and say, yes, that man I can love. That's where many of you are at. But not just you. Our worship director here, huge brother and friend of ours, uh, Brandon, uh, has an interesting testimony along those lines. Check this out. Hey, my name is Brandon Castle, and I'm the worship director here at Matthias Lot, and I've been uh, leading worship for about four years here. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little story about my folks. Um, Now, my dad was an only child, and he never knew his dad. The only thing we know about my grandpa was uh, he was a Jewish man, uh, and he was an expert pianist. And upon finding out that uh, my grandma was pregnant with my dad, uh, he left town. Now, my grandma, uh, she died at a pretty young age, and so that left my dad... Uh, being an only child and without much extended family um, to pretty much raise himself. Um, And so with my parents being married at an early age, uh, a lot of that dysfunctional childhood bled into the way he, uh, both he parented and the way he was a husband. Um, My father was an extremely abusive person, both physically and verbally. And over time, it just wore down and my parents decided to get a divorce after 20 years of marriage. Within that, I tried to maintain a relationship with my dad, but um, his problems kind of compounded, and as age and uh, time went on, uh, he just became more and more crazy. Um, And it eventually culminated with my dad sending me an email, and he basically said, Brandon, I'm no longer your dad. Uh, You're no longer my son. I don't want anything to do with you. And it was kind of out of the blue, and so I was uh, effectively disowned. For me, I've struggled a lot with the commandment that says we're to honor our fathers and our mothers. Um, I find it really tough to wrap my my head around this idea that that God would say, uh, Brandon, I want you to honor this man who really in his life has done um, nothing honorable. Um, So obviously I I try to pray for my dad. I care for him still. Um, But I think the number one way I, I honor my dad is just by not being like him. 
So it's definitely a struggle for me. I think sometimes God allows uh, institutions to fail, even good institutions like parenthood or a marriage or even the church itself. Uh, I believe God allows those things to fail so that when we view them in comparison to Him, uh, we can say things like, yeah, my dad was pretty messed up, um, but our Heavenly Father is a good dad. Um, the, the ironic thing about my story is that in spite of the fact I really gave my earthly father no reason to disown me at all, um, I've given my Heavenly Father every reason because of my sin and my rebellion to disown me. And the good news of the gospel is that God, as a loving Father, sent His own Son, Jesus Christ, uh, to be murdered and to die in my place, a sinner, so that He could call me His own Son. And so the good news today is that in spite of my failures and my strugglings to honor my, my earthly father, I believe more than ever today that God the Father is a good dad. And he loves us and he cares for us. And because of the work of his son Jesus on the cross, he's proud of me. And so because of that tonight, God is worthy of our honor. He's our father. He loves us. He cares for us. He gives us the things we need. And so we can honor him with our lives and with our praise. I know uh, for many of you that uh, is an unfamiliar story. Um, Brandon's been here uh, since Matthias started, uh, eight and a half, almost nine years ago, and um, getting to journey with him uh, as he got that email and processing that with him, the depths of the pain and the, the struggle, um, even in that time, uh, incredible. And, and I think you can tell, like, it, it's, it's like, okay, so what do I do with that? And I know many of you find yourselves there tonight, yeah. All of this pain, all of this suffering in terms of your parents and what they did not or did do incorrectly. Um, so what? So what now? How, how do I honor them? I want to table that question for a second and just talk to the parents specifically for a moment. Um, when your kids are sitting in this chair, when your kids are processing these things years from now. One of the greatest ways we can honor our Father in heaven, the best dad there could ever be, is by our kids sitting in these seats years later. And as they process this same topic, the things that come to mind are this. Mom and dad struggled. I watched them fail. And I watched them repent. And I heard them cry out for God's help. And I saw them visibly broken over their sin. Shame on us if our kids never see us on our knees broken because of our sin. How will our children learn repentance? How will they learn honoring God by submitting our, their lives if they don't see their parents bending the knee in submission? I'm saying one of the greatest ways that you and I can honor that our kids can sit in these chairs generations down the line and their kids generations down the line is when they talk about grandpa. When they speak about grandma, they say imperfect, failed, and flawed, but they loved the Lord. They repented. They broke in sight of a holy God. And I saw it. 
and they held my hand and they prayed with me and they journeyed with me and they confessed their sin. And even at times I watched mom and dad argue. But the argument, the resolve, the journey didn't lead to lost tempers that flew off the handle. It led to a deeper rooted Christ-centered holiness in the marriage of their parents. That's the chance all of us have. That said, I want to look at every single one of you and for every piece of pain that you have stored up in your heart because of what your parents did or did not do, though it's no consolation from me, I just want to tell you something. God is the healer and is the comforter. And those are promises tonight as we journey on and even as some of those things kind of expose themselves even more that every single one of you can take to the bank tonight. The second thing that is difficult in us uh, following God in terms of honoring our parents are when children are self-consumed. I just want to confess my own struggle with this. Uh, I have two parents that um, very much still involved in my life. Uh, I know for sure that my mom would desire a deeper relationship with me, and often I have failed. I've thought in my mind, and, and quite honestly, for the most in, in any teaching here of late, and particularly in Exodus, I've been more convicted on this, on this commandment than I have in a long time. Um, my mom uh, has often pursued me, has often sought me out, and uh, in my own confession of my own sin, um, I've seen her situation and her new marriage. And, I, you know, I've just thought in my mind, listen, she's got a lot of things going on. You know, he, he's taking care of her. That's a great thing. I often prayed for God after my parents divorced to provide a man. So, you know, so that burden wouldn't be on my shoulders. And that's even at times how I viewed it. And I'm just saying, I've had some times with the Lord in the last couple of days where I've just had to say, God, I'm sorry. I have not honored my mother very well. I have not honored my father even at times very well in, t- in terms of just living life, forgetting them, taking them for granted, thinking that somehow they're on a shelf and they'll be really nice for my kids. Hey, guys, you know, here's Meemaw. Let's go play at Meemaw's house. But in my own heart, distancing myself for reasons that are entirely sinful. And so I'm just confessing to you what I've already confessed to the Lord, and I'm sure many of the rest of you struggle with this. We will not honor our parents when we're self-consumed. And a huge piece of honoring our parents, what I've realized in studying for this, is blessing them and at times providing for them. Listen, let me clue you in to our culture. It's a wee bit different than a couple thousand years ago. Have you, are you familiar with this? Okay. I know Fox News doesn't quite cover that. CNN doesn't, you know, like the news stations, as much as all, you know, some of you guys like Fox News, like they even miss it sometimes, you know. Um, There is this piece of culture and how social media and media in general portray the family unit, even in America, that's way different than the rest of the world. Like you go to most areas of the world and you know who's living in a house? Generations. And there's many reasons why that's the case. But even at times when we go to Ecuador, you know who lives in the house? Grandma, grandpa, sons, daughters, their sons and daughters, sometimes we've seen as many as four generations of people living in one home, and they're all taking care of each other. And I know most of you, with the thought of a parent living with you, makes you right now quite squeamish. Okay? Anyone by a raise of hand? Some of you have parents sitting next to you? I wouldn't raise your hand. Um, 
You're like, yeah, actually, and they're living with you now. Um, We don't honor our parents. It's difficult to honor our parents when we're self-consumed. Focus on self. Um, The third thing is this. It's difficult to honor your parents when past wounds have been left unforgiven. No one, including myself, is going to say that that's an easy process. I joke about it often. Scripture does not say forgive and forget. If you can find it in the Bible, you're going to have to show me. And not in the message version, okay? Or not in like the Wall Street Journal's version of the Bible. Like, take an actual Bible and show me where it's in there. It's not. So no one is saying that you need to forget. Why? Because if you forget, then, then you forget your testimony. Then you forget what God has done in spite of the failures of your parents. And for many of you, uh, some of you guys will remember Pastor Jared's um, story. Doesn't even know his father. Look what God has done in that man's life in spite of that. Come on. Look what God has done. What a testimony. If he forgets that piece of his life, if he leaves that part of his life, then that's one of the victories of God that we pull away. At the same time, my friends, the unresolved lack of forgiveness that is being burdened up in your heart is the very thing that some of the disciples struggled with the most in a teaching on forgiveness. The disciples come to Jesus and like, hey, how many times do we need to forgive? And Jesus throws out a number that's almost infinity. Okay. A whole bunch. And the focus wasn't the number. The focus was you keep on forgiving lest you not be forgiven. And the disciples were like, Lord, like seriously increase our faith. The one time they pray that prayer because forgiveness is hard, right? If you start looking into the inwards, the, the depths of your heart, the wounds, the gashes, the slashes, even at times physical. Some of you have physical marks on your body that are left over from your parents. And I'm just telling you right now, a lack of forgiveness, all of that just continues to fester and ultimately will affect your ability to receive forgiveness that comes from the Lord. You must remember that he has forgiven you in spite of you deserving it at all. And because of that, no matter whether your parents have ever said they're sorry or whether you've even ever seen them so that they can say they're sorry, is in your heart, you can allow God to be God. You know the situation, Lord, and I know this is tough, but God, help me forgive. For some of you, that's the beginning tonight. Just help me forgive, God. The last thing, reason why it's difficult for us to honor our parents is there's no structure for honoring. There was no discipline for you growing up or for some of your parents or for some of you that are parents right now. You're forgetting what that text in Ephesians 6 says. I'll put this back up. Here's what Ephesians 6 verse 4 says. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Some of you, let's be honest right now, way too soft on them chitlins. Okay? The structure or lack thereof in the home is a huge indicator of how godly the home is structured. 
Because by teaching your children biblically that what they're doing is in error, not just to you, but because it's to you, it's ultimately unto the Lord, you're teaching your children sin. And they have to understand sin because if they don't know sin, then they won't know they need a Savior, people. And so when you teach them that they're sinners, when you show them that there's consequences when they sin unto the Lord, just like all of you have experienced, there are consequences and therefore repercussions to your sin, then they know they need Jesus. Then they know they need a Savior. But if all you do when your kids struggle, hey, Billy, it's going to be okay. You know, hey, I'm your friend, remember? Like me and you to the end, you know? I'll be there when you... I was there when you were consummated and I'll be there at your graduation and we'll give each other a high five and I'll give you the car that you always wanted and I'll make sure that when mommy's yelling at you that I'll be your best friend. Some of you, the greatest danger is seeing this commandment as as love your father or your mother. Somebody? Thinking that somehow the commandment is like, hey, listen, I'm really enjoying the, the favoritism in my household. And some of you dads allowing that. Some of you dads... Who, uh, who work and, mo- and mothers who stay home, if you're in that situation, some of you dads absolutely thrive when you come home and, it, you know, your kids come running up, and that's not a negative thing, but then they're like, oh, yeah, and mommy did that today, and mommy did this, and then mommy spanked us, and you're like, mommy did what? I can't believe mommy. And mommy's around the corner, and she can't hear, but you're building this trust network and dishonoring your wife. All in the name of being friends with your kids. I just want to make sure everyone understands what our intentions are in this body is to train our children in the way of the Lord and there must be structure and therefore discipline to do that. Our kids have to understand that to honor their father and mother implies that there's going to be a structure of honoring. If not, then this whole world is about honoring our kids Can I, can I just get somebody right now with me? Look at the culture you straight live in right now, people. You live in a culture that is honoring children above parents. That is letting children run the roost. Baseball, basketball, soccer schedules that are absolutely insane. Where parents are just supposed to hop around, submit to them, let them decide, let them discern, hey, eight-year-old, you tell me how you want to live your life. What I see in the Bible is the structure of God saying, hey, I'm going to show you the best way to live. Trust me. And listen, parents in the room, I mean, I'm going to be the first to raise my hand and say, I have my struggles and issues in parenting. And because my kids are so darn cute, it is difficult at times to discipline them. Maddox comes up with his blonde little surfer hair, and he's just done some of the most ludicrous things, and he'll look at me and he'll start crying, and he'll give me a big hug, (laughs) pre-spanking. Like everything in me in that moment just wants to be like, you're hugging me, so you must be sorry. But you know what that child needs to learn in that moment? Listen, you can hug all you want, son. You still need to understand what you did was an error. Daddy's trying to show you the best way to live, and right now you're believing that your way is the best way. And so, parents in this room, if you want to submit to the Lord, then it means not submitting 
to the demands of this culture and letting all of the honoring of our children dictate to you how it is you're to run your house. And that's tough, and, and scheduling of sports is just ah example. It's all over the place. So this is why it's difficult. Amen? And all of you right now, as a child or a parent, you're like, and yes, and yes, and yes, and really yes. So now I, I sit back from this command, and I see the promise of it. Look back in your scriptures. What was the promise? This is crazy. Even Paul talks about this. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. He adds that. Why? Because he's saying, listen, listen, listen. Just after the four commandments between God and man, this next one is transitional, and it's absolutely quintessential because it really will breathe life for you. So then the question for all of us is, so what do we do? That's why it's difficult, but how do we honor our parents? Here's the first one. We honor them by forgiving them. Imagine the testimony in this room instead of always bashing our parents with our mouth. Instead, because of the grace that's been extended to us, we released the stronghold of unforgiveness that has gripped us for so long. And because of what Christ has done in you, you say, Lord, I know that you're big enough to forgive them, so help me now forgive. Imagine the freedom, the burdens you've been carrying around for 5, 10, 20 years, some of you. We honor our parents by forgiving them. Does that mean that... Um, in context, we can't deal with the issues that our parents left unresolved in our life. I'm not communicating that at all. Mark, are you saying we should sweep these things under the rug? Does forgiveness mean sweeping anything under the rug? No, it means dealing with it in the way that you give it to the Lord. God, here. I'm not going to spend one more day talking about it. I'm going to spend a whole bunch of days asking you to help me forgive them. You guys see what I'm saying? We've become professionals at times at talking about the issues about our parents and we've spent almost zilch time at times praying that God would change our heart over the issue. A lack of forgiveness, my friends, is dishonoring to our parents at its core. The second thing. We honor our parents as children by obeying them and as adults by respecting them. Let me give you some clues into what this means. As a child, it's very, very simple. Kids in here, obey your parents. And you're like, but Mark, um, one of the things is that I'm struggling with is, are my parents aren't believers. Uh, the scripture makes very, very clear that we submit to the authorities as long as those authorities aren't causing us to go anti-gospel. In those moments, and in general, you're always submitting to the Lord. But you guys see the command? You're submitting to the Lord by obeying your parents. So simple obedience it's pretty simple. It's pretty easy in that way. So children in this room that are absolutely struggling with obedience and you're, you're wondering in your heart like how you can better honor them, listen, if your parents, until the day your parents go against the gospel, 
when they say, you know what, like, here's what we want you to do right now. You're going to have an 11 o'clock curfew. And for some of you, that was generous, right? How many had, a, like, a 10 o'clock curfew in your high school, okay? Many of you. And some of you are still sleeping now because you're, like, haven't adjusted to the time change. Um, <laughs> we obey them. Now, there's a transitional point. There's a transitional point. There comes a time when we honor our parents by seeking their wisdom, though at the end of the day, we will be responsible for the decisions. And some of you have let that linger a skosh too long. Uh, Letting your parents continue to dictate your life, you're married with two kids and 35. And men in this room, lacking courage to lead your home, Still calling dad, not for encouragement or not to pursue his wisdom or not to glean from him, but instead wanting him to make the decision for you because you haven't now owned your calling to lead your home. And I'm just saying for for some of you, that's a dishonoring to your parents. It may seem like honoring because dad's like, oh yeah, keep calling me all day, son. You need me. Again, it's a whole different thing. We honor our parents by calling them and showing that we're interested in their opinion. Mom, tell me what you think about this. Dad, I'm getting ready to, to make this decision for the church. Dad, what, what would you say here? You're a business guy. I know you would understand this facet. He would love those conversations. And again, I just confess, at times I've struggled to do that. Honor them by respecting them in that way. We can honor our parents, um, next slide, by providing for them. Listen, this is so cool, so cool. My grandmother, as I've said, is like as old as Mount Rushmore, okay? I mean, she's just a very, very old woman. I don't even know how old Mount Rushmore is, so I was kind of fishing there. But um, she's really, really old. And she is now uh, in a nursing home just because of the, the, the daily demands of physical care. She cannot hear. Um, she has two very, very poor knees. And um, listen to this story. This is my grandma, though. Uh, my uncle uh, was coming up to the nursing home. And he found her down the street in her wheelchair, like blocks away, okay? And he comes up, and she's like 90, okay? She comes up, she's like, you know, he's like, Mom, what are you doing? And she can't hear, you know, she's like, you know, just cruising in her wheelchair, you know, just rolling it. (laughs) So so my uncle, my uncle goes to the front desk, and he's like, (laughs) like, Grandma was just down, like, you know, Grandma about got run over by a reindeer down here, like, somebody needs some help, you know? And, and watching, here's my point in all this, is my uncle and his wife literally go every single day and visit my grandmother, every single day. And I'm, I'm meaning like without fail. Okay. The concept of providing for her and still being involved in her life and taking care of her and not just saying, you know what, she's in a home, I bet she's got some friends and probably playing bingo all day long, she's probably good to go. I'm saying right now, though our culture wouldn't say so, we must get much better at providing for our parents when they get to the age that they cannot provide for themselves. And not out of obligation, but because it's a way for us and freedom to honor them. Somebody, you might be in that chair one day. Picture yourself, 85, 86 years old. And the the thought of your kids not coming to visit you. The thought that the last time you see your kids is when they rushed in real quick because they heard you were going to die. They hadn't seen you for months. Imagine that kind of life. Is that life? No. One of the ways we can honor our parents is by providing for them. 
Fourthly, uh, one of the ways we can provide our parents is not repeating their failures, but learning from them. Now, now we're going to open a whole can. How many of you guys have woken up and you're like, I'm exactly like my father? You catch yourself doing something, and you females, you're like, um, I remember saying to myself, I would never do that, and here I am doing that. We honor our parents, as Brandon already communicated, by not repeating their failures, but learning from them. By identifying them, by seeing them and saying, listen, thank you for paving the way. And at times, for some of you, the greatest thing you got is showing you how not to do it. And so for us, it's a learning experience. Not repeating, though, we see in Scripture the generational sins and those certainly looming over us, we honor them by learning from their mistakes. And finally, though there's so much more, we can honor our parents by valuing their life, by praying for them. Come on now, somebody. How much time right now are you spending praying for mom and dad? Whether you know mom and dad, whether dad or mom are in your life, whether absolutely in your opinion the worst parents ever, my question for you is do you want your kids praying for you? And I would even add to this, are your kids praying for you now? In your times of family worship and shepherding dads in this room, single moms in this room, have you given room for your kids to learn how to pray for mommy when she's sick? Moms, have you learned and gotten in the rhythm for some of you guys who stay at home or are with your children in the morning praying for daddy before they leave? Have you gotten in that rhythm when something happens to one of the spouses, you gather the kids and you grab their hand and you say, let's plead to the throne of grace for daddy right now because he needs it, kids. Those kinds of kids grow up continually praying for their parents. You see what I'm saying? So that's how we honor them. Now, what's just happened is, for some of you, there's been like a blender that has just gotten attached to your heart. And you feel like it's just gotten all chopped up. And so some of you still, even at this point, there's like this unrest in you because you're like, okay, all right, Mark, so thanks for the hope tonight. Um, here's the hope that we have. God is an honorable parent. God, maybe not your parents, God is an honorable parent because he is faithful when your earthly parents are faithless. God is an honorable parent because he is comforting, listen, when your earthly parents might abandon you. God is an honorable parent because he is forgiving when those around you are condemning. When your parents have pressed the finger into your heart and have continued to remind you of all the wrongs that you've done, He stands continually forgiving. He's the voice of grace, the voice of mercy. He is pursuing when the earthly parents withdraw. Everyone seems to be pulling back. Everyone seems to be isolating you. And in that moment, a great God pursuing you. He is an honorable parent because he is listening when your parents aren't paying attention. 
years and years and years of your life feeling like your voice was not heard. And I'm here to tell every one of you, your voice is being heard. Maybe at times not by an earthly parent who can call you back, but by a God who created everything. God is an honorable parent because he is encouraging when your parents don't have anything loving to say. He's an honorable parent, listen, because he is jealous for you when your earthly parents seem like they don't care. God is an honorable parent because he has paid your ransom even if your earthly parents are poor somebody. The riches of this world seem to fade away, but God still stands in his grace and his mercy. He has promised joy, hope, and life eternal even when your mother and your father pass away. Come on. Some of you had to experience the death of both parents, both maybe even potentially rocks in your life, and yet our God stands as the honorable parent who has extended eternal life. He's the honorable parent because he has extended the opportunity for relationship even if your parents disowned you like Brandon's dad. God still says, you can have relationship with me. I'm not going anywhere. I'll never leave you or forsake you, the scripture says. Somebody, please. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not turning my back. He is the dad your dad will never be. And the God your idols can never even hold a candle to. That's our God. He's the dad your dad will never be. And all of your idols in your heart and all around your life will be trying to achieve his godness. And they're never going to get there. He is what we need in spite of all of our open family wounds. And he is the healer church tonight. He is God. He's an honorable dad. He's not going anywhere. And so because of that, all of us can sit and honor him. And honor him. And worship him. And glorify him. And when that gets into focus... Not only do we become parents of honor because we're standing with an honorable parent in God, but our kids get the grace of watching mom and dad not try to be their God. They get the grace of watching mom and dad point to the real God. There's some patriarchs and matriarchs in our church community tonight. And I just want those folks uh, to come up here with me. We call them here at Matthias as seasoned folks. Folks that have lived some life. Folks that have invested and discipled and poured in. Folks that have loved us well, served us well, prayed for many of you young marriages when you felt like you were hopeless. Tonight we have a chance to honor God being served by some of the season in our community by sharing in this ancient meal of communion or the Lord's Supper. And so tonight when you come up as a believer, that's what this meal is for. Tonight, as you come up and you take a piece of the bread and you dip it in the cup, it's your opportunity tonight, recognizing all of the, even the heart stuff that you're feeling, 
and say again, God, I desperately need your help. God, please do what only you can do. God, heal my empty wounds. Help me forgive being served by some who have fought some battles themselves. And for some of you tonight, uh, God is not your dad. You have no relationship with him at all. But in these moments, you're all of a sudden realizing that, that you need it. That you feel alone and isolated, unloved and abandoned. And if that's you tonight, I'm going to have some leaders back here in this back corner, including myself. And we just want to talk with you. One of the ways that we can profess our faith, even tonight, is with baptism. And some of you guys have never been baptized. And I'm just saying you have an opportunity to do that now. To in front of church and the Lord just say, you're an honorable dad and I want to worship you. So we have leaders in the back for that response. The rest of us as we worship, sing, pray, repent. Let's share in this time of remembrance. Honoring the dad who doesn't forsake us. Let's respond and worship. Come when you're ready.